0: Welcome to the Brady Marks podcast with your host, Brady Yashia from Brady Marks Buyers Advisory. Enjoy discussions with a variety of guests and pioneers from diverse backgrounds, each sharing their unique perspectives on property, business,
1: industry, and more. Josh Morrissey's track record speaks for itself. Josh, the co-founder of Hive, is my next guest. He discusses how he saw the need for something different from the ordinary agency experience. His simple yet powerful vision for Hive has created a real estate agency that stands out due to its unwavering commitment to excellence. Discover how Josh's dedication to delivering outstanding results for his clients has elevated him to one of Canberra's most sought after property advisors. He's a respected professional with a keen business sense. Under his leadership, Hive has facilitated over one billion in property transactions. Josh has continued to maintain Hive's reputation and preserve its premium position whilst experiencing phenomenal growth. Josh doesn't just rely on his impressive credentials. He's a natural at building relationships and establishing trust. We explore what it takes to achieve this level of success, how his expertise and personal approach instills confidence in sellers Get an insight into how he continuously raises the bar, provides service excellence, and always strives for improvement to maintain his position at the forefront of the field. Welcome, Josh. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank
0: you, Brady. That was some intro. It's really, really good to be here.
1: You're an inspiration in the real estate world. I'm very curious, and I'm sure the listeners are too. How did you go from a 19-year-old entering the property industry to running a success, successful premium yeah. real estate company? It
0: was, well, it was a bit of a journey. So um, it was it was real estate 19 to 20 to 21, so straight out of school. Then I took a break um, and I actually pursued a trade. So I got on the tools as a carpenter for my early 20s and then back into it when I was 27. Um, and I actually... Before Hive, I was at a couple of different agencies uh, and we actually, I've got to give Sam, my wife, half the credit because it's half her business and she was there from the very, very start and I couldn't have done any of this uh, without Sam. Uh, But the vision was to always have our own business. It was always to provide, we identified a niche in the market probably back when I was 19, 20, that there wasn't a business like Hive um, that really serviced the high end, that was really buyer and seller focused and really built on transparency and trust. And being young... And I know your son's here and he's, <laughs> he's going through the motions. Yes. But being young and going through the industry when you are young and you are becoming an, ad- an adult and you're going through business as a professional, as a young person, and you're experiencing the lives of other people through these transactions, what I ident- what I identified the most that was lacking was um, transparency and trust. So for me, the vision early on was build a business with Sam, obviously, and, and her help, uh, but to build a business based on that it's transparency it's trust it's trust equity you know and that's what our relate that's what our business is built on it's encoded in a really finessed, fine brand it's backed by a really good culture but it's built on trust you know and it's for the sellers that i represent and for the buyers that you represent and that's really what hive encompasses smooth on the outside busy in the middle but all built on trust and transparency
1: love it trust mm. and transparency that's is it. imperative in any successful business that's it So having diverse experiences makes us all better real estate agents. I believe that, you know, early early in your career as Mm. getting into the construction Mm -hmm. industry, is that right? Yep. Um, What has been the most positive about being in construction and giving you that edge?
0: The value of hard work and the value of people and the value of time and I think the value of different skill sets and where you can apply yourself and build on your own strengths. I was good at swinging a hammer. You know, I was good at building houses, but I'm also really good with people, you know. And for me, it was about not just following what I'm good at, but following what I'm passionate about. And it was always going to be real estate. But I think the best agents are the most diverse people because this is – it's a its a corny phrase, but we coin it all the time. It is a people business, it is. right? Everything is built on trust. The more transparent, the more trust equity that you have and the more experienced, the more relatable that you can be eye to eye – with your client and your consumer, the better your business is always going to be. And that compounds over time. So I find having a diverse experience across lots of different, and I've done lots of other things. You asked my wife, I had some funny jobs <laughs> growing up, <laughs> trying lots of different things, and you should. So
1: what's the funniest job you <coughs> had?
0: <laughs> we were out driving past a winery the other day, and I <coughs> and I said to Sam, So do you know I used to work on a winery? And she just looked at me and said, what? what? What do you mean? I used to pick the grapes, I'd go out at 4 a.m. in the morning and I'd and I'd prune the lines. Um, and that was just completely random. I don't know how I did that. I did that over summer for a summer job, just for three months. But you know, it did. It, again, it was. It, it taught me the value of hard work, and it really, it really humbles you. Getting your hands dirty is a good thing. Yes. You know, you shouldn't. You shouldn't wrap yourself in cotton wool. You know, you should. You should be willing to get down and get dirty. And I think to pivot, you know, as now, you know, leading a business, you should never ask somebody. To do something that you would never do, and I think having that diverse background enables you to have an understanding of where people come from. Because if you've done the shit jobs, if you've done the hard jobs, if you've done, you know, if you've if you've done things outside of what you're doing at the moment, it really makes it easy and you know accessible and relatable to people. Yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So Hive is a major player in the Canberra yeah. market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might add I'm very impressed with the calibre of your agents Thank and you. agencies. Thank you. They're amazing. You did mention that Sam, Samantha, yes. is yes. a big part of, Huge. The, the, prop, of the business. Yes. Um, so where was Hive born?
0: Hive was conceptualised. So are you talking just in terms of the idea, in terms of locality? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> funny story, but we were both at different agencies. We both moved – I moved to her agency – just to see if we could work together without killing each other and not get separated. (laughs) Anyway, you know, three months later, we we had quite a large team within that firm and the idea of the business was born. The aesthetic was there, the direction was there, the idea of the culture, the positioning, the area, that was all there in the foresight of where we wanted the brand. And the name wasn't there yet. I think we had, I think it was called Avenue or something Sam had come up with and Sam actually came up with the name Hive.
1: Okay. So it was Sam's, again,
0: Sam's credit, so I can't take all the credit. Um, But the vision was to always provide something that was completely out of the box, you know, with a tone of voice that you can't copy, but with a culture that you can't copy, you know, because the the brand is only as good as a culture. And for us, we were fortunate to start with a really good culture, the team that we had, and they actually came with us to Hive. We didn't have a space at that time. So how
1: big was the team when five, you first, okay.
0: Five, and then mm-hmm. we didn't have, we got a really big opportunity from a developer that basically said, guys, we don't really see value in, you know, the, the the firm that you're with isn't really adding value to, it was one of Canberra's largest developers. And they said, basically, guys, we just want to work with you direct, we're going to give you another five years' worth of work, huge pipeline, career-changing, life-changing opportunity, but they basically said we want to work with you directly. So it was like. Okay, now we didn't have the brand. You know, we basically built the plane while we were flying. So we just we we uh, we shut up shop. I called my mate and I said, "Look, we've got nowhere to um, we've got nowhere to rent. Um, can, you know, do you know of any commercial spaces?" This was a this was a builder at the time. Yeah, we ended up renting his office space downstairs. There was five of us in a space. You know, smaller than this entry, L- <laughs> little yeah, just a little uh, little sweatshop with five of us in there. And my wife Sam was nine months pregnant. So this was five years ago, basically to the week. So we turned okay. five in a week. So wow. we're working this Happy little birthday. shop. Thank you. <laughs> Sam was pregnant. And this is this is this is this is just to the caliber that my wife is. Right, she was nine months pregnant, and I'm just gung ho. We call we call me the accelerator and Sam the brake because mm-hmm. I'm always hundred miles an hour and Sam's always telling me to slow down. But um, we basically we were in this office. Um, Hive was born. The name was born. We started to build the brand basically as we were trading. So. We had to find, we really struggled in Canberra to get any, any, any companies that understood our vision because it had never been done before. So we did that three or four times, spent a lot of time, a lot of money. No one could get it right. And we ended up linking up with Marty Fox out of the blue, which I think most people know. Yes. And yeah. at that time we had White Fox Marketing. So we were, we linked up with him, White Fox Marketing ended up, you know, we sat down, we spoke about our vision, White Fox Marketing just understood it, got it, and just nailed it basically. So, so did
1: you know Marty from before?
0: No. Oh okay. so we Pardon me. So we um we were just we were just linking up with Marty because he's it's really funny. He was two years ahead of us, right? And I really struggled to find people within the industry that were doing things to the calibre that we wanted to do, especially in Canberra, right? And White Fox is really the only brand pushing the envelope close to what we wanted to do and with a similar aesthetic and with a similar culture but yeah. in a very different market. So I reached out to him and I said mate, look I'm just I'm just well, I think I'd had the, we'd had James at that point. He was a month old and he had Freddie who was two years old. So Everything he was doing was two years ahead of us, right? White Fox was two. We were two weeks. Um, and I just said, mate, can I just come down and just pick your brain? So me and Sam jumped on a plane, flew down there, hit it off like that. We're really good mates now, family, friends. White Fox Marketing ended up taking Hive, polishing it into, you know, what it was for the first three years. Uh, and that really helped because they, they created a tone of voice for us that, Propelled the brand and made it completely recognisable in in Canberra, which is what we want. Fast forward three years, um, through an office into another one, bought a building in Deakin. Was always the focus to be a high end brand in the high end part of ma- in the high end part of town. But Canberra is a very um, Canberra is a very hard market to penetrate in the high end because it's very restricted, it's generational wealth and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, fast forward to now, I think there's twenty one staff. We've just moved into our our brand new building from our little. <laughs> a little sweatshop yes. <laughs> um, five years ago. But again, and, you know, but underpinning all that, the vision was to always, it, it was always about the people. You know, we've had the same people for five years. We've never had agents leave. The you know, only time people leave is to, you know, pursue travel or, or a different career or whatever. So we're really fortunate to have that culture. And that's, like you said, your comment about you're really impressed with the agents yes, and the people yeah. that you engage because we're all a reflection of each other. And that's, that I think was the key driver to to what we wanted the brand to be, just encoded in a really good, in yeah. really good branding, you know what I mean?
1: Well it does stand out, yeah. and all the agents that I've met from your team are very friendly, very professional, <laughs> and a pleasure to deal with. Honest. So yes. They're just honest. honest. They're
0: transparent, they're honest, no BS, no yeah. overquoting, underquoting, they're mm. just they're educators. Yeah. You know, which I think if you're a good practitioner, you should be a really good educator.
1: Absolutely. Mm. I'm still learning and I've been in the industry for a long time. So it's important to keep on learning and to keep on teaching.
0: Yep. hundred percent.
1: So one of the things that has stood out um, with getting to know you is Mm. that you've said it's very important Mm -hmm. to have a reason for doing something or or a reason as, uh, for example, having a why. Yes. What is your why?
0: My why is growth. So it's, it's not necessarily financial, but I have to be I have to be going forward every day, whether it be you know one percent, two percent, ten percent. But personally, professionally, with my family, whatever. Um, it, for me, my why is my growth, financial stability, and all of those, you know, obvious points are an undercurrent to my why. Mm-hmm. But my intent behind my why is uh, to constantly be growing because that's where that's where the fun is, you know. And I think once you become stagnant, especially in a business, you need to be evolving. Like you said, you know, we're talking about some different different touch points and digital touch points on your side of the business you need to evolve we're in, we're in an information economy we're in a digital economy you need to be uh, reading the play and for me my why is um just growth and enjoying the ride you know making sure that my family is set up and that um you know I've got some really big goals you know every 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 week every year every five years every 10 sometimes I'm ahead of them and sometimes I take a little bit longer but at the undercurrent to all of that is just growth you know mm-hmm. And just being being a better version, being the best version of myself that I can be, because I'm also responsible for a lot of people. Yeah. So I really, I really have to be inward to make sure that um, people around me are getting the best out of me. Because yes. if I'm not, if I'm not introspective, then people around me aren't going to get the best version, and I'm not going to be able to educate them.
1: Absolutely, mm. I couldn't agree more. You've got to keep moving forward, but mm-hmm. having fun along the way. Is
0: You've got to enjoy it.
1: So imperative. Hundred percent. So one of the things that is a top, um, I should say, uh, one, one of the important things that you've achieved in your life yep. is building a property development business yep. called Aura. Yep. How much of your time is devoted to this business?
0: Um, it sort of happens in parallel with just my day today because it's, I'm doing it anyway. I'm yep. doing it for clients. Um, so for us, the, the time expenditure of it is, pro- is not that much. Because it's it's almost automatic now, you know. So um, I'd say, look, in, in a week there's probably five or six dedicated hours a week to it. But it just threads in with my day, you know. And, again, it's fun. I enjoy it. So it's not work. Um, yeah. And it's part of the ecosystem. I think for us, for Sam and I, um, again, and and Sam, I have to keep giving her credit because I don't know many people that could have done what she did with a, with a two-week-old baby, starting a business with a crazy husband who just was <laughs> – wanting to go to the moon, but you know, she's only just, we've, we've now, we've got two sons now and a daughter on the way in December and she's only just Congratulations. Now. thank you, but she's only just now, um, stepped back and been at home for the past few months. So we're probably really going to focus on the development side of things mm-hmm. because it it is part of our ecosystem. Um, Jonathan, I think you've got coming in here, Marquette, we're partners in that business as well. So for us, I think our goal, you know, to, together collectively is to create the best ecosystem we can, <laughs> for our lives and our business, um, financial, developing, hive, obviously, but they all just, they all complement each other.
1: Um, I like that word, ecosystem. It's an ecosystem. Yeah, it all goes hand in hand.
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. So lots of young people and even mm. people looking to change careers yep. want to get into the real estate yep. arena. Mm. What would your advice be to someone looking to get into the industry?
0: Buckle up, I think. <laughs> you know, um, I think there's a lot of them and I think they see the shininess of it which um, is appealing, especially, you know, with, you know, with how prevalent, you know, social media is and it's all about status and, and, and quick likes and, 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 you know, quick gratification, real estate is the polar opposite of that. It is a marathon, you would know. It
1: is a marathon. So I
0: think where generationally where it's probably going to be a little bit harder for people to conceptualise in that age bracket is that the conception of what they see it to be on – their devices is not the reality of it. So I would say you have to you have to look past that and you have to find somebody like yourself or myself or somebody that can sit you down and say, hey, what's your goals? What's your why? Big thing for us with my team, whenever, whenever anybody starts at Hive, I sit them down before we do anything, what's your why, where are you going? You know, what goals are we trying to hit? And we structure their business around their why because everybody's why is different. Everybody's goals are different. Some people want to write a mill. Some people want to write 10. Some people want to write 100 grand and i think that's really important you know but i think align yourself with somebody that one or two or three people that you can get collective information to really yep. decipher it for yourself but then place yourself in a in an office that fans your flame that are where you want to be don't put yourself in an office if you're an agent who wants to write 2 million bucks don't go and work in an office where people are writing 2 or 300 grand because you're not going to do it they don't have the blueprint for you so i think like anything in life If you want to be successful, you need to find somebody with a similar blueprint to you and copy that. You don't have to be them, but you have to use their blueprint to service you and I think that's really important. But get the information and find people that you can trust and get into an ecosystem that's going to elevate you because you don't get to be the fastest running with the slowest. So that's really important. And I think to, to use the phrase, you know, finding your why again, I think if you're really young... A lot of people think it's real. I didn't know what I wanted to do at 19, clearly, because I went back and did, I swung a hammer and picked grapes <laughs> and did whatever. But yes. I think, you know, if you can bed down what you're wise and get your head onto paper and you can get a clear picture and a clear path of where you want to go, start there, you know, and the rest will fall into place and just find the right people.
1: Excellent advice. Mm. So you went from being a successful selling agent yep. to a very professional principal. Mm-hmm. What were some of the challenges along the way or something that you learned that you want to share with the listeners?
0: Um, I think how important it is to master yourself before you lead others. There's a there's a really good book by Jocko Willink called The, Di- the Dichotomy of Leadership, which I read. When Do you want was to
1: say that again? The
0: Dichotomy of Dichotomy Leadership. Dichotomy of Leadership, Yeah, yep. By Jocko Willink. Mm-hmm. He's an ex-SAS um, guy in America. It's just a really good book. He's got a bunch of books out there. But when I started when we started the business and i knew what it was going to be i knew that we were going to have 20 30 staff i knew that we were going to be you know the pinnacle brand in in canberra and that was the goal and i knew what was going to be required of me and i knew i didn't have i knew i had it in me but i had to be aware that i need to polish up on that and i had to learn to lead and i had to learn to be you know that's the dichotomy of leadership you have yep. to be soft you have to be hard you have to be firm you have to be fair you have you know th- these things that i think the difference between and a lot of real estate agents They want to own the office, but they don't (laughs) want the responsibility of the people. These people have mortgages, they have families, they have kids, they have goals, they have wives, they have this, they have that. So I think you have to be willing to bear the brunt of it all. You have to be willing to work till 2am in the morning. You have to be willing to pay before you eat. You have to be willing to sacrifice before you take. And I think, you know, the biggest lesson is, and that's where all the growth happens You know, because it doesn't happen. The growth doesn't happen when your bank account grows. The growth happens when you go through shit, and when you go through shit, and you learn the lessons, Mm -hmm. and you have to adapt, and you have to evolve, you will get the lesson out of it. But if you, if your goal is true and your why is true, and you never deviate from your plan, you're always going to get hit with grenades. You're always going to, you're always going to come up against obstacles every day, every hour. But you have to have. A stoic perspective. I'm really big on Stoicism. Really, a really good book at the moment called Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday, if anyone wants yep. to read it. Um, but you really, you really have to be stoic, I feel, because you have to have an, intro, an introspective perspective on yourself, but you also have to lateral a lineal and a, and, a, and a zoomed out view of your situation when you have a lot of people that you care for because the direction of the business still needs to maintain the same trajectory but you're driving it. So if you're not driving yourself well, the business isn't going to work well. And I think the difference when you're an agent, you're just worrying about, if you're my client, I'm just worrying about you and me and my wife and my kids and whatever other clients that I have. And that's it. It's really easy. And my dog or whatever. But when you make that transition to whatever level, whether it doesn't matter if you've got the amount of staff that either, if you've got two or three or four, the concept is the same. And the better that you have a handle on, what you're actually creating and what you're driving, yeah. the better culture you can create, because the culture starts at the front, starts with the leader. Bad leader, bad culture, bad culture, bad business, bad business. Yeah, not fun. And I think that's the big lesson is just and being able to just take a breath, step back, look at it for what it is. Things just let you've got to go, and you've got to let things roll off you. Yes, you know you can't you can't be you can't be granular in 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 problems that you know, can take the same amount of energy as, as a big problem.
1: So don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. And have a very thick skin. Have a
0: very thick skin, you know, mm. but have a very clear vision about where you're going.
1: Yes, yep. that's very important. Mm-hmm. So is there a standout of the mm. most exciting or interesting deal you've ever done?
0: Well, probably just the hard ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you share one of them oh, with us? I don't know. <laughs> um, interesting,
0: interesting and exciting deal. Look, there's been there's been a lot, you know. I think probably interesting and exciting. Probably just the hard ones, you know. In in the top, there's there's probably a few. So I'll just sort of paraphrase a few. But in the we've done a a few now in the four to five, six million dollar range that have all been difficult for a lot of reasons, sort of outside of our control. You know, we're always really diligent. Like again, there's always really good trust with both sides, but they were just exceptionally hard. And I think the, the, the satisfaction that we got to get it over the line and the buyer and the seller and everybody in between, there's probably a handful of those. And circumstantially, that kind of all happened at once. But they're all at this price point where there's only one buyer for that house and you, you're only going to meet one, you know. And we just happen to have that times four or five this year that could have fallen over, but they didn't. And I think because of that perspective and because of that handle on things and being, you know, as professional as we possibly can be, we got a lot of really hard deals together, which really unlocked a lot of opportunity for our sellers and our clients. Um, so I wouldn't say not exciting, you know, we haven't yeah. listed the prime minister's house or anything like that. <laughs> soon. <But> soon. <laughs> we're, office is just down the road. But it's just it's just the hard ones and just going through that and thinking, like, is this ever going to end, you know? Yeah. And I think because in real estate too, and back to your question about, you know, advice for young people, a lot of it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, if you are a young person and you get into into this business, sales is, is a really good thing to learn and read and understand because it helps you understand that you can only control the controllables. And I think advice for young people is just you can only control the controllables. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't don't worry about the things that you can't control. And especially in these really big deals, like these really 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 hard ones yes. that were just from another planet. Yeah, <laughs> the stuff that we. Could control we did, and that eventually was the stuff that glued it together. Yes. You know, and kept, and at the end of it, the buyer, the seller, us, everybody's happy. A little bit stress and a few more grey hairs, but we. I can't g- see why. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I shaved it all off. But um, which is always control the controllables. Yes. Um, and that's it. I, I
1: might say that I walked through some of those properties, and you some did. of them were beautiful yeah. homes. Yeah. And again, you were exceptionally professional, Thank and you. so was your team. Thanks. I wish I could have bought at least one of those I'll from have, you. I'll but have but some <laughs> more. Yeah, I'll have some more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, for our some of our buyers that we're looking at the time, yep. they just weren't quite there I know. yet.
0: Find them something. We'll find yes, them
1: something. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I know we've spoken a lot about yep. Sam and yep. she's been an integral part of the business. <sighs> What's it like working with your wife?
0: Hard. <laughs> ask, you should ask her. she should get her on here next time. <laughs> um, look, it's really hard because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's so hard because it is a 24-7 thing. Yes. Right, From five in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, you are joined at the hip. You have huge decisions to make, big financial implications for your decisions. And you just you don't always say eye to eye. I'm under a lot of pressure because we've got to feed a lot of people. She's under a lot of pressure because she's managing everything in-house. And you've still got to be a husband and wife yes. in between all that. And I think that is where we learnt a lot, right? And I think anyone that is in business with their, with their partner, it's hard and I think you have to make time and that's probably another lesson, right? It's probably time chunking is really good. That's I live my life through time chunking and time boxing and all that. It's, that's sets me free. That's my whole life is in, is in time boxes. But you can't enjoy the ride if you're not allocating time aside to enjoy the ride. And I think with Sam, is you forget that you're a husband and wife because you're just so ingrained in this crazy business that's just just on. You know, it's got rocket fuel yeah. that. Um, and it took us a couple of years to, you know, to really get a handle on that. We've got it sorted now, but it was, it was tough. But it made us closer. Really made me appreciate her and I hope it made her appreciate me. But now the focus is the kids. Yes. We don't need to be doing that. We don't need to be in the trenches as hard as what we were. The business is now very established. And now we can enjoy the time with the kids. You know, exactly. I can pop home for lunch, can come <laughs> in and see me, but we've got more time. Yes. You know, which is why we do it all.
1: And the kids grow up so quickly. Too quick. So you really need to sometimes just take a step back and enjoy the moment.
0: Well, you know, for the first two and a half years, I worked seven days a week. I had probably a day off a month, if that, you know. And I didn't see my first son for at all, for probably a couple of years. It's probably a big regret, but it had to be done. And now I get to see him. So yeah. probably while he was still a potato, probably okay to do it then while yes. he was still at that age. Yeah. And that's probably another misconception people don't understand with, with business and getting into it at that level is that your success is parallel with your level of sacrifice, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I think people don't get it. You get the mum guilt, you know, your son's there. Sometimes <laughs> we get are at home for dinner, you do, you feel guilty. Yes. You feel guilty, you feel guilty as a dad, I miss this, I miss that. But again, it comes back to your why. So why are you doing it? You know, well, the end goal, this is a means to an end. And if you get there, don't get there and then just keep going at the sacrifice of still losing time with people because then it's not really worth it. No. You know, but yeah, – and as long as you learn the lessons – don't keep repeating them. You know, as long as you learn the lessons along the way and you actually do stop, you do smell the roses, you do take your wife out for lunch and all that sort of stuff, then it's okay. Yeah, it is. You know
1: those small things mean a lot. They, they do. really do.
0: Time's the most valuable commodity that we have.
1: Yes.
0: And most people in business want to be successful so they can create more time windows back for themselves to actually enjoy life. It's counterintuitive when you get to the point in 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 our business, we meet so many people that are uber, uber, uber wealthy. Money to burn. And they're, in a, they're rattling around in a big house because they've just worked seven days a week. And you can take lessons from that. Yes.
1: You know. You don't want to be too late. Don't
0: want to be too late because yeah. you don't – nothing's guaranteed. So enjoy it. Have a why. Be strict with yourself. But And two, I think – and everybody's different and that's okay. Your plan doesn't have to be someone else's plan. That's right. Yep.
1: So you're at the top of your game. Yep. How do you keep yourself focused without burnout?
0: Structure. Structure, time boxing. So I'm up at four, four thirty. I have to have, I have to train in the morning because I don't drink. I drink probably once or twice a year, so I don't drink. Um, and that was, you know, again, your success being parallel with level of sacrifice. If you're gonna, if you're gonna embark on something like this and, and a business or whatever is your is your goal, those things have got to go. You yeah. know, they really do. You take take it seriously. You know, um, but nutrition is is key. So my structure, my time, my day. <laughs> Just being organized, you know. I think structure for me really sets me free. I'm terrible at admin, but I've got a team that's awesome at admin. So all my deficiencies, I have people that are really efficient in them, you know. And I know where I'm I know where I'm bad, I know where I'm good. So I focus on those. But for me it's it's just structure, staying calm, trying to have a really trying to have a measured perspective, mm-hmm. but being patient, even though it's a paradox, but being patient with urgency, you know. Just Knowing we're going to get there, don't try to push it. Don't put a square through a circle, hole. Just <laughs> it'll come. It's, do yeah. the right things and things come.
1: That's right. But just, just yeah. structure.
0: Eat well, live well, move well, sleep well. Water, sleep, the two best things that you can do. They're underrated. Most people are burn out or burnt out for years not sleeping. But, yeah, sleep's key. Structure's key. Relationships are key. You know, we're social beings. Yes. You need people in your life that are outside of work. That's really key. So I think just understanding where your buckets are full and where they're empty and just making sure they're as even as possible. So I don't, there's no such thing as balance. It doesn't exist. It's harmony. Not, not in real estate. No, no. Definitely not. It doesn't exist.
1: Definitely doesn't.
0: It's just harmony. How harmonious can I get my life? You yes. know, how, how can I just get everything sort of even enough where I've got time for me, I've got time for my kids, my clients have got me, but just trying to keep the buckets as even as possible. Yes. You know, it's hard.
1: It's very hard. Trust me, I I understand. (laughs) But it's good. You've got to have discipline, structure, and you reap the rewards. 100%. So my philosophy on life is very similar to yours. You've got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. For sure. And you say if something scares you, run towards Towards it it. rather away from it. Every time. Do you want to explain this a little bit to the listeners?
0: 100%. That's where you grow, right? So I think – that's where you get your best growth. If you're scared of something, so I used to wag school, right? If I had a, spe- if, I had a if, I had, if I had, to give a speech in English, I'd take the whole day off. <laughs> I'd literally take the bus to the mall and I just wouldn't go to school. I hated it. At the risk of looking stupid, you ask my mum, I just hated it. So I started auctioneering. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to get in front of people and I'm going to just get in front of hundreds of people and I'm just going to do it because I'm confident enough. I know what I'm doing but I just threw myself in there. You would never have seen me do that in school. Literally, every, you know, I failed every test that I had when I had to do a, you know, an in-class talk because I hated it, you know. Sharks. Oh. <laughs> so we went cage diving with great whites, means Um, You know, and, you know, boxing, had a fight 18 months ago, jumped in the ring just because I think the fear of getting knocked out in front of thousands of people, that's just, you've got to let your ego go. Your ego is the enemy. You know, once you just free yourself of all of that and you don't, your, your identity isn't dictated by the perception of others of you, nothing's scary. Once you get over that yeah, and you, you know, if there's a few things and I challenge people that are listening, if there are a few things that scare you, write them down and go and do them because the satisfaction and the gratification and the courage that you'll get from doing something that you were genuinely shit scared of will enable you to do the next thing that you've been putting off and the next thing and the next thing. And that's actually mm-hmm. where you get the growth. Yeah. So if 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 it worries me or if I'm nervous or if I'm scared, I will run straight at it. It's fight or flight, you know. And people are wired differently but you can rewire yourself like that. And I think in business it's really important. So if – and that's the other thing too, I think in business where people, t- it's you know, it's paralysis by analysis. They don't want to start. Mm-hmm. But just start. Just start. What's worse that can going happen, you know. And a lot of agents too are really scared of a no. No is not going to kill you pick up the phone call another 50 it's a numbers game it's just it's a numbers game you know they've forgotten about you they've the, the news has come on they've forgotten that you've called just call another one so yeah but that's just it's again it comes back to growth that's where you get the growth just run towards it
1: that's it face your fears
0: 100% life's too short you know you you regret what you didn't do in life you know most people you know we've all got regrets things that we probably wish we didn't do but you, you know, and you listen to you, you, you watch, you know, you watch a lot of these videos. These you, these older guys in the afternoon you know, in the afternoon of life, and they say, "What do you regret?" And they all they all say, "Work too much and regret the things I didn't do."
1: So never regret what you do.
0: Never regret what you do. Regret yeah. what you didn't do. If you know you could have done it and you could have had a crack, even if you failed, do it. Yes. You know, and that's yeah, that's probably the best advice I could give.
1: I think it's excellent advice. Mm. So I know we spoke a little bit before about technology and AI and it's yep. moved very, very quickly. Mm. What innovations have you brought into your business?
0: Look, we're pretty – we're old school in the fact that we are – for us it's it's just – it is all about the phone, it's connection. So tech-wise we run all the – really similar CRMs to everybody else. Um, we do use AI a lot. So we use chat all the time. Um, We just rebranded, or not rebranded, but we we refreshed the brand and we used AI all the way through it and it just, it was phenomenal. Um, But for us, it's just digital touch points, quick stuff. You know, there's a lot of different CRMs and systems and proposal um, technology that you can use. We utilise a lot of that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like pre-market, pre-list, anything that's just quick and easy. Like for me, you know, like I'm sure we're all probably here guilty of, sitting on Instagram for an hour and you lose an hour because you're just watching stupid videos and they're 15 seconds each, the attention span of people is getting so short, you know? So for us, all of our touch points in the business, whether they be print, paper, digital, on the phone, whatever, our engagement over email, everything's short, sharp, and digestible. So whatever we're doing like tech-wise or even just even on the phone, um, we're actually just – we're probably reconstructing the way that we operate to make – our communications and touch points with our consumers as digestible as po- possible because their attention span is getting smaller and their time getting smaller, they're working longer. Um, so it's probably actually more of a time thing than a tech thing for us and we're really cognizant it's of that. That's a good point. Really yeah. Very good point. And that, we've, that keeps us consistent. So even in a downturning market, we're actually selling more because we're reading the play, understanding it, identifying where the pain points are in the communications and we adjust it with the market. So I'd say time over tech for okay. us. Yeah.
1: I'm over tech. I yep. like that. Mm. So you've achieved so much. What's next and where do you see Hive in the next five years? Wow.
0: Well, um, what's next? So daughter in December. So back to being a zombie and no <laughs> sleep for two years. And then, um, look, we're going to, we'll, 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 sit around probably we've got a, we're speaking with a few agents obviously. So w- there'll be a few more agents that join. Um, so I think Hive-wise, um, the rent roll will obviously grow. It's just byproduct of being busy. Um, a few more agents for me. I probably I'll step back a little bit from selling. I really want to work on the team, a lot more developing, being uh, you know a lot more involved with the team day to day and helping them and their deals. Because for me again too, um, I'll have some, a few more Saturdays off. So for me personally, and this is the promise to Sam because she's going to watch this. I've got to have this on camera. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to stop. Well, I'm going to stop working Fridays because I want to get a little bit of time back and then I'll probably work only two weekends of the year and then eventually stop selling at some point um, and just work on the team, you know, and just help build them, you know, because that's really where I actually get the kicks out of that, you know. For me, listing and selling I love, um, but actually I get the kick out of watching people grow. I get them, you know, agents coming from, you know, other other firms, writing X amount of GCI and problems here and problems there and just getting under the hood, you know, retweaking the engine and then yeah. just watching them fly. I actually love that.
1: That's the best feeling. It's the best. So yeah. it's probably
0: it's for us. It's not f- the financial goals are, are sorted. You know, we've we've hit those markers and we're satisfied and we're content there. I think for us, it's about purpose now and it's about how can we be impactful to the people in the team. You know, and watch them do it. You know, because we've done it. So probably that and then just continue doing what we're doing. Maintain, evolve, yeah. set the mark. You know, lead the pack. That's it. And just enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing the growth. And I know it's going to be exciting to watch. Yes.
1: One question I get asked all the time, and I know none of us have a crystal ball, but people are asking what's going to happen in the market over the next three months, six months, 12 months. What do you see happening in the next six months?
0: It's like trying to predict the weather, right? No one's got it right for two and a half, three years. No one. I I haven't heard one economist get it right. So I'd say... Giving you honest feedback from boots on the ground is that we're getting a lot of calls in from sellers who can't service their debt. Regardless of what you hear in the media, those calls are now coming in. So at a point that has to wash into the market. We all expected that to hit the market two months ago. We're probably we're probably two, three months behind where Everybody sort of thought the rates cliff was gonna start affecting and people were gonna start offloading from one and a half to six, you know, one and a half, Jonathan's gonna come and give you all the info on, on on rates, but from one and a half fixed rates to, you know, call it six percent variables, sort of good odd 50% of mortgage holders should have been in distress there, and we should have seen that translate into the market. We saw Cologic's CMA increase 50% yeah. and domains lodgement in their portals increase 50%. So that all happened, but it didn't actually translate to listings. So we're all sitting around going, well. There's going to be a lot. We've increased probably the natural 30% through spring, but we haven't seen the stock in the market, but the calls are happening. So the calls into the office are happening. The the books are loading up. So I would say, and we are slowly still, we are still going down slightly. It's it's softer. Sitting 58 average days on market in Canberra. Six months ago, it was 21. You know, so we went up to 90, back down to 60. So we're sort of fluctuating a little bit, just depending on the stock levels. Yep. And the buyer urgency is... Slower, obviously, because the rates are higher. So I'd say, to answer your question, depending what happens with those calls, if they eventuate into leasing, which they generally always do, it's probably going to be from Jan, Feb onwards because we're sort of we're, we're three, four months behind at that point, you know. But yeah. um, it doesn't really align with what you're reading in the media. It doesn't really align with the CoreLogic reports. The data's a bit skewed because you've got some people that are in mortgage distress that are selling as they have to and that price obviously going to be cheaper. You've got some people selling because they need to sell for yes. whatever the lifestyle reason is. You can have two houses next to each other in Canberra at the moment and they're selling two, three hundred grand apart. It doesn't make sense. So I'd say watch it in, not, in Jan, Feb and that'll give you a clearer picture because I don't think much is really going to change. But if the phone is anything to go by, then it should go down. Down a little bit, then pick back up, rates should tweak. And then hopefully by next spring we've got a bit of a correction, a normalisation of the rates uh, and a more confident buying spring. Hopefully buyers are a bit more competitive. Yes, so good buying. Good buying from now till
1: June. Excellent. Yep. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. If the listeners would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way?
0: Um, The phone. It's always on, as it should be for an agent. But, yeah, you can call me on the phone, jump on the website. All my details are there. Instagram, whatever's easy. Mm -hmm. If there's agents that want to just reach out, pick my brain, like I did with Marty back in the day. If there's anybody thinking about starting a business, door's open. Just feel free to call.
1: Fabulous. Thank you so much.
0: Pleasure. Thank you.